I'm Hannah Young, and you're listening to The Caring Economy with Toby Isnick, sponsored by Philanthropic Impact. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Ladies and gentlemen, wherever you are in the world, welcome back to The Caring Economy with me, Toby Usnick. Today, we have our first in a series of guests from the Clinton Global Initiative, or CGI. CGI is a phenomenal happening that launches each September here in New York City. As part of CGI, there are groundbreaking social entrepreneurs and non-governmental organizations and nonprofits engaging with me like-minded leaders and potential funders on their initiatives. CGI is a program that's dedicated to forging new partnerships, providing technical support, and elevating compelling models with potential to scale, no matter where they're coming from. It's as democratic and inclusive a way forward for groundbreaking social entrepreneurs. So with that, our guest today is Elisa Tertullian. She's a UN representative and program ambassador for Beatty Relief Alliance, or what we call BRA or BRA. In 2018, BRA launched their Women's Empowerment Initiative committed to implementing a new holistic menstrual health and hygiene project with the Betty's of Dominican Republic. She is a Howard University graduate. She became BRA's representative in the United Nations Economic and Social Council, or ECOSOC, in 2023. With a diverse background in performing arts, education, and marketing, she infuses her ventures with a unique skill set. Through impactful media projects, she bolsters BRA's mission by raising awareness, garnering support, and always bringing a smile. Collaborating closely with the CEO and President Ulrich Gallard, she aims to be magnifying BRA's global impact. So, drum roll, please. With no further ado, welcome our first in the CGI representatives, our own Elisa Tutulian. Hello, hello. Thank you so very much. Thank you, thank you. Again, Elisa, welcome to The Caring Economy. As we always begin each session, I'm going to ask you to just give our audience a quick overview of you before we jump into BRA, uh, sort of your story. Where did you come from, grow up? How were you raised? Your pivots, your mentors? How did you find your way to this amazing opportunity? Oh, goodness gracious. I'll try and make this uh, succinct and, and nice and compact. So I am from Rockland County, New York. I'm a Rockland County native. I went to primary school here, middle school here, and then I actually moved to Brooklyn to go to a performing arts high school in pro professional performing arts high school in um, the theater district in Manhattan. I did that, graduated from there. Amazing experience. I um, majored because we had to major in voice. I went off to Howard University um, and I did my bachelor's degree in music education. And after that, I got to have my experience. I got to move to Florida, Miami specifically. I got to work with a marketing agency, with um, an airline at a hub station. So I got to get a lot of experience and learn a lot of things in different industries. So all of that, put that all together, got back to Rockland County um, during COVID actually. Mm -hmm. And in those years, I just had time to really pour time into my passions. I think we all had a lot of time. Um, mm -hmm. So I am now very focused in the things that I want to do. I own my own consultancy and um, management business. I train as a tennis athlete and I'm a performer and I get to use all of my skills to put it into what is my true passion, which is to serve. Um, and I believe my, I know that my destiny and my mission in life is to serve and, and to make the world a better place with whatever gifts I have. Mm -hmm. um, and Batai Relief Alliance allows me to do that. So I am a representative and I put forth what I can to do my part. 
I love that. I, I share your commitment to serving. I think that's why we're all on this planet. I also love the metaphor as a tennis enthusiast to serve is to serve in a physical way as well. Yeah, you like that? <laughs> Are you going to the U.S. Open next week? Do you want to know what's funny? So actually in July, I did the two weeks of Wimbledon um, with wow. my uncle who actually connected me with Ulrich from the CEO of Bataille Relief Alliance. So interesting way things work out. Um, so I did that. Everyone has asked me if I was going to the US Open, but I'll be away for the first week. But twist and turn, my tennis coach got a couple of his students um, for tonight, the all-star exhibit at the US Open. So tonight I'm actually going to the all-star exhibit at the US Open, unexpected, unplanned. So I'm thrilled. Going back to you, to be a performer and going to such an accomplished high school, was it sort of the movie fame all over again? Or So funny thing is, the fame school is actually LaGuardia High School, and they are our rivals. So I always tell people, much respect to LaGuardia, of course, but their school is huge, like thousands of students. And our school, which is also the school that uh, Alicia Keys went to and graduated from, I just would like to say, was more small and specialized. So we had AP classes. We had very, um, so we had voice, drama, musical theater, and tech the people who make the show run, of course. Um, and so we had more attention. And so I would say that we were the more um, elite school, but again, respect to LaGuardia. Um, and it was interesting. It was it was great. It was a wonderful, wonderful experience. Okay, so now you're going to have to give us a big uh, bridge, a big gap for us. How do you go from all that theatrical and athletic upbringing to basically menstrual health and women's empowerment. Interesting, right? Um, so interesting enough, everything I've done in my life, like I said, I worked in various industries across the board. If I went down the list of jobs I had and they all were amazing. I was a resident assistant in college. Um, I did bartending and serving on and off for 10 years because as a performer, that's one of the best jobs, most flexible <laughs> careers you yes. can have. Yeah. Um, I've been an executive assistant. I've been a project manager. I've been a manager for an airline. I've been a gate agent for an airline. So I've done all these things that have given me so much information. And at the end of the day, insight into people. Mm -hmm. All of my jobs, all of my career moves, all of the steps in my journey have shown me more and more layers of people. It's made me more patient. It's made me more kind. It's made me, I think most importantly, empathetic especially working at the airport, because mm. you never know what someone's going through. Mm. You have no idea. The mm. moment before they came up to you, you have no idea the phone call that they just got or what they just dealt with. And so all of that has just poured into my mission of serving. Mm. And so when I got the chance, I've always known that I was going to do humanitarian work, no matter where I was, no matter what I did, even if it's just within my community, within the two miles that I live in. I knew that I was going to do something. And I am also of Haitian descent. Um, and BRA does serve the Haitian community as well as the Dominican and the Peruvian community. Mm -hmm. So when I was introduced to the CEO and president, and he was telling me about the program of, you know, becoming a representative and everything that came with that, it was an opportunity to serve and build my own spot. In, in what I was able to do. You know, I wasn't being asked to do something out of my norm. It was use the skills you have and help BRA. And so that's, you know, kind of how I got there. And like I said, my uncle connected me with him. And so 
that's yeah, so back two, in two follow-up questions one when you say sure. you always knew you were going to do this kind of service how like how did you did were you convinced by a mentor by a faith leader by a mother or father how did you kind of just know that you were going to serve in that there's so many different ways you can serve but you how did you recognize that in yourself so early on so there's two ways the first is i am a woman of faith i've been raised um in a family of faith mm -hmm. and i respect all faiths but i'm a believer in god and I believe deeply from the way I was raised and from my own spiritual experiences that I was here to serve and change the world for the better, whichever way, which even if in the smallest way, it's just smiling at the person I'm walking past in the grocery store, mm -hmm. because I've done that before. And someone has stopped me just to say, wow, mm -hmm. why are you smiling in the grocery store like this? Please keep doing that. I've always known that in 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 my spiritual being, in my gut, as some people will say, and it, it's always attracted me to help people, to make people happy. Mm -hmm. In addition to that, my family has always modeled that. So my father has collectively, they are 10 brothers and sisters um, from the country of Haiti. And I am first born American. So before my sister and I, all of our family was born in Haiti mm -hmm. um, to, to what we can track, right? As far as we can go. And they've always given back. We've always collected our good but used clothes. My family actually had an organization called ODL, which was the Organization of the Development of Las Caobas which was the um, town they came from in Haiti. Mm -hmm. And they would throw, you know, boat parties around, you know, the Statue of Liberty and all these things. And we would work coat check, you know, my cousins and I, we'd work coat check and all these things. And so I watched my family give back and mm -hmm. I was a part of it. You know, we had clothes we grew out of. Do they still look good? Are they still usable? We're sending them to Haiti. Yeah. So my family, you know, my dad would give the coat off his back to a homeless man and he's actually done it on the street because he can and he yeah. wants to. So when you're raised like that, um, it settles, it settles in your spirit, yeah. it settles in your being. And I, I enjoy, I actually, when I see people being happy and making people happy, it makes me happier than how happy they are. It may sound like so dorky to some people, but it, it really makes me happy when I see people having healthy fun or just enjoying community or just sitting out and being happy because we don't have much peace. So when you see moments of peace, it's great. Yeah. It's awesome. Well, I share both those points. I'm not a regular church going person, but I am a man of faith and I do believe in God and serving as we talked. And also um, it was patterned for me, that sense of service from my parents and mm -hmm. my family, the way we were raised um, and I also think as you're smiling so beautifully, I always say the most attractive thing anyone, anything one can wear is a smile. Because when someone's smiling, you you want to know why. You want to be with them, not away from them, usually. Right? Anyway, you, you, so, as long as it's not a menacing smile. Right, or a little odd. But like, <laughs> so take us then to BRA. You were introduced to Ulrich by your the CEO, by your uncle yes. at, a, at the Wimbledon, was it? No, actually. So they've been lifelong friends okay. um, for since Haiti, actually. And they both um, have Over become Haitian born and lives yes, Haitian born, same town. And they went to school together, actually. And so 
they have grown up, they both have become very successful in their line of work. My uncle is a hematologist, oncologist. They have both um, remained passionate about their humanitarian work and using their resources and mm -hmm. their partnerships right. in any way that they can to give back, especially to give back to home. Um, so we were together at a gathering and we were talking very, you know, just social gathering and it just comes out because we're all passionate about what we do. And so we're talking about property management or this or that. And it gets brought up about this program they have at BRA to become a part. And I was like, I am extremely interested. Couple conversations later and, you know, January, 2023 here, <laughs> I became a part. Tell us, tell us about BRA and its okay. premise and, and how it works. Then we'll get to CGM. Um, yeah, of course, of course. So BRA is a nonprofit non-governmental organization. Um, the mission is to address socioeconomic and health conditions of women, children, and families severely affected by extreme poverty, disease, and hunger across the Americas and the Caribbean, specifically Dominican Republic, Haiti, and Peru. So in the time it's been now it's coming up on 26 years of service. Um, BRA is focused on clean water, on you know hunger. Um, right now, the Women's Initiative has us looking at menstrual health and hygiene and education in that sense. But anything that's going to uplift rural communities, lift families, and usually when you lift up the mother, when you lift up um, children, you're lifting up an entire community. So that's always the focus. And, you know, every couple of years, there's a different commitment to action. There's a different, in conjunction with the United Nations ECOSOC and with CGI, there's always a very targeted uh, mission and goal. And we work towards that. And right now, and since about 2018, it's been a women's initiative. Mm -hmm. And what's the, uh, tell us um, Bate Relief Alliance. Bate refers to. So I would like to say um, just Bataille Relief Alliance. Mm -hmm. It's Bataille Relief Alliance. So it's mostly Haitian migrants um, and Dominicans, but that were brought over to work in the rural sugarcane fields. But in what the happened? Dominican Republic. Exactly. In the Dominican Republic. What happened, though, is things get industrialized, jobs get taken, and then people are left with less jobs. They don't have skilled training. There isn't much literacy and there isn't much financial um, foundation. Mm -hmm. So Bataille Relief Alliance has gone in to support these people, to give them more skill set, more literacy, so they can come out of poverty at the end of the day. That's that's the goal, because um, the climate has shifted. And they were already not necessarily set up in, in the best um, situation to begin with. Mm -hmm. So without jobs, we know what that looks like. It, it, it goes downhill from there. Mm -hmm. So Bataille Relief Alliance has stepped in to help with microloans, to help with um, menstrual health, other health issues, HIV, AIDS, um, vitamin deficiency, things of that nature in partnership um, with CGI to serve these communities. The subset then of Bataille is this women's initiative. They've done a few for the past few years. This year is going to be around menstrual health and hygiene. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And 
Tell us a little bit about this commitment that you're all doing this year uh, for CGI. The commitment, it's ongoing. It started in July 2022, and it's still ongoing um, as of now. The commitment was to get 120 women and 96 schoolgirls. There was a study done, and they saw that um, at least 20% of these schoolgirls were missing two to three school days a month due to lack of sanitary pads and um, the necessary things that they need during their cycle. Mm -hmm. So we committed to take these 120 women and these 96 schoolgirls in partnership with CGI to give them the training and the resources they needed to be able to remove the stigma, remove the shame, um, and be able to go about their lives and stay in school during this time. Um, so with CGI, they we got a commitment from Period Company, and mm-hmm. they sent over over a thousand reusable underwear. We also got a commitment from Always, um, and they sent over ten thousand sanitary pads. So we were able with those contributions with the contribution from CGI for the training and the workshops. We were able committing to one twenty one hundred and twenty mothers and 96 schoolgirls. So far, we've gotten 119 women and 96 of the schoolgirls through the training supported by these resources. And over a thousand lives um, in total have been impacted because in addition to the menstrual health, as I said, we're we're attacking more than just that. We are providing health services and training um, for an education, for HIV and AIDS, for giving out multivitamins and other things of the nature to keep people healthy um, yeah. overall. And you're giving women in particular a safe space and young girls to to talk about something that would be perhaps, as you suggested, stigmatized. Can, can you say a little bit about how one who wants to get involved might do that? Is it through the CGI website? Is it through Bate? What's What's the best way to help out? So absolutely. Um, you would contact us. You can email us at B-R-A at Bataille, B-A-T-E-Y, relief.org. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Or you can give us a call at 917-627-5026 and just reach out. Let us know how you'd like to support or let us know that you want to support. And there's always uh, a way someone who has a passion to help can help. And that phone number again, it's country code one and then it's 917. Country code one, 917-627-5026. Fantastic. So tell us about CGI. You are actually going to be sitting or schmoozing with the Clintons in New York this September. Um, This amazing catalytic engine for change in the world. Ulrich will actually be representing BRA at CGI this year, but I will give you his words on CGI and what he thinks is great about it. Ulrich always only has amazing things to say about CGI. He has um, been in contact with them most. The partnership is one that is um, synergetic. It, it works. They are very supportive. And at this um, CGI commitment to action in September, um, his biggest thing is be ready to participate in a very successful gathering. As I said, he it's, it's always a positive um, experience when he goes, be ready to network and meet thousands of people working every day of their lives to make the world a better place. I agree. 
Ladies and gentlemen, again today on The Caring Economy, we have as our guest, Elisa Tertullian. She's a UN representative and an ambassador this year for Bate Relief Alliance, which is going to be present again this year at the Clinton Global Initiative this fall, at the September in New York. I wonder, Elisa, if you might tell us a little bit more about how you balance it all between your work with BRA and you've got your, your other consultancy going on. And I imagine you're still also performing, but that might be a presumption I shouldn't make. How do you balance that's it a wonderful, That's a wonderful presumption. Presume away. <laughs> I'm willing it for you. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. You know, the beautiful thing, as I said, um, I got connected with BRA during COVID. And between 2020 and 2022, um, I was laid off like most people, but it was funny enough, one of the best things that could have happened because I had been doing my consultancy and, and my performing and kind of running my business just kind of as a side thing. And with all of this time, I went in, I made it official. And so I get to run my life the way I like to run it. Mm -hmm. um, I've worked since I was 12 legally. We we used to be able to get the education, right. you know, the school of board of education would sign a paper. Yeah. And so I've been working for over 18 years yeah. and to be able, I, it was always my dream to have my own so I could run my life and my schedule the way I wanted to, so I could do the things I love and do them without being afraid that I would lose my job because mm -hmm. I didn't have the time. So all of my endeavors are awesome because I get to pick and choose what I am a part of. Um, I get to be selective, which I think is important because when you're chasing money and that's your first goal, um, you get caught up in some things or you can get caught up in, in less than, you know, upstanding. So things. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. so I get to choose my clients. I get to choose when I train because I do train five to six days um, in tennis. I'm on the court. Um, and with BRA, the beautiful thing as well is I get to choose um, which projects I work on, um, when I work on them, because this is an ongoing commitment, right? It's not, we do this and then we're done. And I actually love that because there's not this, end all be all we're just doing this and then once this event is over we're finished mm -hmm. i've got into a women's conference the csw conference that happened in march at the un mm -hmm. there were so many meetings just meeting after meeting after meeting and to have the freedom to go through and based off of what's the goal right now for bra women's initiative which that sits very passionately for me as a woman <laughs> as a young woman at that and so I got to choose between all of these meetings that were available and decide what fit for me with BRA's mission. So I can say that I'm blessed that all of the projects and clients and things that I get to do, I also get to make sure that it's in my lane. That's so awesome. I believe causes like this, we should all care, right? But that's easy for me to say from where I sit. What's your message to say men or young boys or uh, non-Haitian community? Or how do, you, how do you build capacity? Or what's your message to those you want to say, there's a place in our, at our table for you? Because- That's a great question. Like I would think, you know, anyone who has a daughter or a niece or granddaughter, should care. I appreciate you presenting it, um, especially 
you brought up for men, for boys. And that was actually something that was brought up in one of the meetings during our women's conference with the UN. Um, how do you get men to care about women's initiatives? And I think one thing is stepping back and realizing everyone has a woman in their life. At least one. Yeah. Mm -hmm. At least one, mm -hmm. whether it's a mom, a grandma, an mm -hmm. aunt, um, a coworker, a friend, a neighbor. It doesn't have to be someone that you're blood related to. It could be the pharmacist that you see once a week who's just pleasant. Mm -hmm. And we all make the world go round. Mm -hmm. Not just men, not just women. Mm -hmm. All of us make the world go round. So when an entire group that helps make the world go round isn't able to do their part because they aren't given the opportunity to do so. The community crumbles. Mm -hmm. And historically, not saying all the time, but historically, matriarchs, the mothers, the, the women are the nurturing force that keep the, the fires burning. Mm -hmm. In addition to doing hard work and labor, but also in addition to going out and working at home, they keep the fire burning. Yeah. They keep the kids tended to. They make sure food is on the table. And that may not be customary for everyone. I know that everyone's life situation can look different, but historically, that's what it is. And so if we lift up women or girls, those who are going to be the future, if we start when they are young and give them the power, give them the tools, give them the opportunity, then they have something to work with. But if they have nothing to work with, they failed before they ever started. And we have failed them because we are the ones who are supposed to provide for yeah, the young. Yes. I also think there's an opportunity uh, in maybe video storytelling or in the ways in which you celebrate the successes of BRA to have some young boys and men speak about how their lives were made better by your programming. Because as you've said, these are brothers and husbands and nephews and grandchildren of people who've been affected by your great program. That's an amazing, that's actually a really great um, suggestion. And I, I definitely want to implement that because I was so curious around the world because I heard from people all around the world. Um, I think what stood out for me was probably like Indonesia, Malaysia and the Philippines and how they were going about including men in this. And it was so fascinating to me because you hear about all these women's issues and microloans and all these things around the world. And I did sit and wonder, how are they, because some of it was changing cultural things, mm -hmm. cultural norms where men have to be more accepting of women doing certain things, whether it's physical labor or going out into the workforce that were, and now they have to share duties at home maybe and that's this new thing that they're trying to put into thousands of years of culture and I was so curious as to how are you breaking these norms because you want to keep the authenticity of your culture while still allowing everyone to thrive right absolutely it's a delicate balance. And it was very interesting listening to different cultures that aren't the United States and not in the Americas. So it was, know, it was yeah, Alisa, when you said earlier about uh, it's not just men that make the world turn or women, 
that to me is a perfect example of the type of leadership you exude and what I think is a way forward, which is bridging leadership, right? It's not one or the other. So when you can find examples where a whole community is lifted up and everyone celebrates that success by that intervention or that initiative or that um, commitment, then I think it makes us all a little healthier and a little bit more calm because we're in a very polarized world right now. And it, I don't yes. believe it has to be. I think most people actually want to live and let live and not be seen as the other, right? So it requires that we not always look at others as the other as well. Would you agree? I love that you said live and let live. That that statement right there, I agree with you. I think that most people want to live in peace and not be the other. Mm -hmm. And just be respected as a human being. I, I've had conversations with people from all different demographics recently, and everyone seemed to agree when I say this. As long as you are not hurting anyone through action or speech, as you would say, live and let live, because the one thing we have in common is that we're all human beings. Mm -hmm. And the only thing that needs to happen is that we respect each other as human beings. We do not need to agree, but we do need to respect. And I think that's where the conflict is happening. Everyone wants everyone to agree with how they live or what they believe or their religion. I can respect you without necessarily agreeing with you. And I don't think we've come to a place in society where people realize that that's okay. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> okay. I also, you know, going back to our earlier conversation about religion and service, I, I also believe not only are we meant to serve, but serving others does not necessarily mean serving them what they want, but it is being of service to others, right? And I think we get trapped sometimes thinking that I can't serve them because that's not what life value system is. And there are ways to meet the other other than that most immediate task in hand. Would you agree? Exactly. I agree 100% with that, 100%. Cool. So I have one last question for you, Lisa, which is sort of pearls of wisdom, career advice. How, you found a purpose-driven career. You have a purpose-driven life. Uh, what pearls of wisdom have you gleaned in your life so far that you might share? Oh, goodness gracious. So many. Um, never stop learning. That That's a big one for me. I've always said, even since I was young. So I used to say to my mentors and people who are older than me, I've, I've figured life out. I've learned it all. And they're like, that is a dangerous way to live. And I said, I, but I figured it out. Never stop learning. Yeah. And then they all stop and they go, okay. Because if you never stop learning, you're always open. You're always open to hear someone out. You're always open to, I think it was Aristotle, I might be wrong, who said something to the effect of like, an intelligent mind is one that can entertain a thought without agreeing or accepting it or agreeing it, something like that. So I think if you're always willing to learn and be open-minded, you can hear other people. You can see how they think. You can understand them better and why they live the way they live or talk the way they talk or feel the way they feel. So I think being open to learn leads you leaves you open to listen. And I think, oh, the biggest thing I'll say is empathy and patience. I have learned empathy, patience, and kill them with kindness. Yes. <laughs> like, I use that too. I have learned kill them with kindness. 
Ilum with kindness has has held me down for quite some time in the most chaotic, nonsensical situations. Killing them with kindness has always worked. But more importantly, patience and empathy. Um, I'm not saying people are always going to be nice. I'm not saying the situation is always going to be on your side or be great. But how you act when what is it they say the rubber hits the road yeah yeah how yeah. act when things get tough when it's not all hunky dory and everything's all happy and rainbows are just shooting out how do you act when it's hard and if people had more patience if they took a step back and empathy to think what might this other person be going through yeah. i don't know I think that we'd have a lot more peace. <laughs> and so I those are you know, I, I'm reminded of your earlier statement that you worked as a gay agent. I think most people could not survive in that role, right? I'm all I'm already envisioning like a shark tank like <laughs> reality show where every contestant has to be the gay agent <laughs> and all these See, different things happen. You know, you had to have special skills. They didn't just push everyone up to gate agent and <laughs> right. One of my best skills, because they would put me on the hardest flights. Um, I was I was in Fort Lauderdale. I was at Fort Lauderdale Airport, mm -hmm. and they knew I was a New Yorker. They knew I was a Haitian uh, <laughs> New Yorker, and they used to put me on the LaGuardia flight when it was about to cancel, because New Yorkers on a flight that's canceled, man, is it something. But I was always able to keep my people <laughs> in line. I love it. You're going to have to teach you some skills later. I want to thank today our, our fantastic guest, Elisa Tertullian. She is the United Nations Representative and Program Ambassador for Bate Relief Alliance, BRA. They're going to be in uh, um, this year's Clinton Global Initiative here in New York in September. Check it out. We've given you the information already. Get involved. Support the cause. This is all about really helping young women in particular and um, uh, women in general in, well, you say it. This is all about helping young women and young mothers and women in general in the rural areas of the Bataille of Dominican Republic to have uh, menstrual health and hygiene training and being able to remove the stigma um, and be successful getting to school, learning and um, thriving in their community. Thank you, Elisa Tertullian. Thank you for listening to The Caring Economy with Toby Usnick. Please share your comments and questions with Toby via Twitter at T Usnick or LinkedIn at Toby Usnick. And thank you for sharing The Caring Economy with your friends and colleagues.